0: Let's open up to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons. Uh, if you've if missed the past couple weeks, I recommend you check out the messages online. I went over what an elder was and what a deacon was. And just kind of, I think they're just appropriate message for the season we're in, in as a church and be praying for uh, our leadership as we pray about, you know, we want, we want to be able to, the, the elders to be elding and the dekes, deacons to be deacon, right? So uh, <clears throat> we're praying about those things and we, we want to see the, the Lord lead us in that. And so... Paul and Timothy, servants or bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all God's holy people, the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this introduction is typical of Paul, I think in almost every single one of his letters, it was just kind of, you know, at the end of my emails, I'll I'll say in Jesus, Matt, or I'll say in, you know, in Christ or in him, Matt, that's kind of like what I do. And I normally don't say sincerely or take care, you know, that's kind of, so uh, Paul, he said grace and peace every time he was writing a letter to his churches. And, you know, some have noted the order of grace and peace. And we've talked about this before that uh, uh, there's grace and then peace. And this might be because we don't experience the peace of God until we experience the grace of God. You know, you are saved by grace through faith and and, and it's really important And you can't have peace with God until that's taken care of. And once that's taken care of, and if God isn't no longer your enemy, boy, you have peace, peace that passes all understanding. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. obviously you are saved by grace through faith, but because of this grace, grace loved and should rule in our hearts. And then we're commanded in Colossians chapter three fifteen. let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. You were called to peace. And be thankful. I love how he adds that at the end. Oh, yeah, be thankful. Most importantly, grace and peace come from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says it comes from him. You know, this world and its powers, they're desperately seeking to find peace. I mean, we look around and we're, we're talking about peace talks every every five minutes. Nations are at war. Things are going crazy. This world and the powers that would be would have you think differently that grace and peace can be attained apart from God. And it's constantly pulling at you every single day. You must telling you that you must attain your peace through this world's means. You can attain grace and forgiveness through the world. And that's not so. It comes from the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And as people of God, we long for peace. Don't you long for peace in your heart? I long for peace, just as God desires peace. But we live in a world that is at war. There's a war going on all around us, both physically and spiritually. And the scriptures say that this is going to intensify until the return of Christ, like birth pains. And the devil in this world that he rules offers a pseudo pseudo peace, a, a fake peace, a false peace, a peace in in Possessions, a peace in relationships, a peace in pleasure, a peace in, in status, a peace in riches. If I only have these things, then I'll I'll be satisfied in my soul. The war will stop. And I mean, the very fact that each of us have on new clothes every you know month testifies you know to the the world at work. Not saying it's it's wrong, but I mean, could we not still be dressed like we're from the 60s? And be okay, you know what I mean. Some of you are, and it's still okay. <coughs> Not '80s, sorry. You know, my haircut gets framed in time, and people, are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> boy, that's a living time capsule. No, <coughs> but peace and you know, peace, peace by government. Amen. I mean, these things apart from God, apart from God, are idolatry. And they're, they're false peace when we trust them, and they lead, they end up leading to the compromise of our faith. It's always asking for compromise, don't you agree? You know, the Scripture warns of the peace that man gives, that the world gives. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, just a, a section of Scripture here I want to read. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and the dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night while people are saying peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. The the peace that the world gives is not truly peace at all. Destruction is going to come when when we say we've achieved our peace, it says here in Scripture. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are, like the, you are all the children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or in darkness. So let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. And so the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that will guard our hearts and give us hope, is in Christ alone. We just sang it. In Christ alone. Don't be lulled to sleep, like he's saying here. Don't be lulled to sleep by false peace that this world offers. The peace, that peace is rooted in compromise again, and it will never satisfy the, the peace that your heart truly craves. The cravings we all need uh, and desires cannot be quenched with evil. How many of us try to quench our desires with, with evil? You know, God set us up to where that only thing that will satisfy, truly give us satisfaction in our hearts is through his hand. Relationships given by him, possessions given by him, love given by him. Amen. Amen. Can never satisfy the, the peace of the world can never satisfy. It can sedate you. It can make you feel like things are okay for a time. But it never goes away. It never is quenched. Go to your Father in heaven and his Son, the Prince of Peace, and He's going to give you the rest you need. Grace and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so verse 3 says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. Gosh, Paul's a prayer addict here. He mentions it a lot of time. Uh, In verse 5, he goes, Because all of your partnership if in the gospel from this day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so many things in here I want to share with you really quick. So let's read that one more time, verse by verse. And Paul's reminding his brothers and sisters of his love for them, a church that he planted years earlier. You ever had anybody that you've you've met and you've developed a relationship with and you've kept in contact with them and there's this mutual growth that's going on? Well, Paul uh, is is writing to them after this 10-year period. Paul's in jail, and Paul gives us some insight about their relationship and how he prays for them. And verse 3 says, every time I remember you. How, how does he pray? Is it? every time I remember you. Paul was a man of prayer, and if you're a man or a woman who prays, you know that the Holy Spirit brings people to your heart and your mind, just throughout the day, or as you're as you are praying, as you're going, you just get a burden for someone, and you, it's brought to mind. As I remember, I pray. There are those people that I, I know, like Christine, uh, you know, she just prays faithfully for people, uh, but also there's there's times when when you know the Holy Spirit just pulls people on your heart. And those relationships that we've established, you know, I think of my friends in the Philippines that I, that I haven't seen in 10, 10 years, you know, or so, uh, 90, you know, 2001, was it? 2001, 97. These dear people in the middle of the jungle and in cities and, you know, I think of them often. And the Lord puts them on my heart and I, and I just start to pray. I remember their circumstances, their health issues they were going through. I remember the things that they were trying to accomplish for the gospel. I remember the struggles, the relationship struggles that were going on as people were coming out of the world, but yet being pulled back in, just like us. And just my heart, just uh, praying for them, you know? I just... You know, when do I? When do I, When do we pray for people? As often as they come to mind, I think it's good that uh, you know that we have a consistent prayer life. But you know, let the Holy Spirit bring up things as you're going on and your daily life as you're going. He hears your head as you're working. Amen. And so pray. But in verse four, Paul says that he prayed with them for jo- he prayed with joy for them. Joy how often do you pray with joy for someone? Put a percentage on it. (laughs) It's usually like, Oh no, God, (laughs) you know, Lord help. Quite often as a, you know, as a, as a minister, as a pastor, as just uh, someone who's been given some responsibility and the oversight of the church, you know, I'm always praying for people in situations that, that need God's touch. That's kind of, what seems to be the common theme. There's something wrong. There's a relationship there isn't, that isn't good. I mean, someone's in sin. Um, there's a, a stressful situation going on. There's a pattern that's unscriptural. Um, there's spiritual attack going on. There's people who are sick. You know what I'm saying? This is the kind of stuff that goes on along. You know, can any of you relate? Praying for your family, for your friends, praying for each other. Think of this morning when we lifted up our, our prayer requests. And how often do we pray for someone with joy? That's hard. And so I think this was a real treat for Paul, you know? It was evidently the church at Philippi was one of those churches that brought great joy to him. Excuse me. You know, when he thought of them, it wasn't that there were a bunch of problems. There were some, but he was just going, I love these guys. Just love them. They make me so happy inside. I see what God's doing and I'm excited about it. And Paul reveals uh, why they brought him joy in verse five. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. That's why they brought him joy. Because they were a partner in the mission. They were bearing fruit. They were doing what God had called them to do. Really, there's no greater joy for me as a pastor to see, to look out into your lives. And yes, there's going to be issues going on. But to see you actively engaged in what God has called you to be. Who God has called you to be. Whatever capacity that is gospel minded people that brings great joy no greater joy why you know because it's evidence that god is at work and that's what we long to see don't you evident don't you want to see god working and doing something you know i see the enemy at work every day don't you my gosh that guy's like nonstop i want to see god get some glory. I want to see God take some ground, kick some teeth in, you know what I mean? Get going. You know, I just I, this is, I want to see it. And when I do, it brings me great joy in your lives. When I see that, you know, the people are overcoming certain sins, when people are pushing forward or stepping out in faith and not, you know, uh, pulling back and, and, and hunkering down and being defeated. You know, uh, The gospel, the message, isn't just meant to be believed. It's meant to be lived. I wrote that down for myself. It isn't just meant to be believed. It's meant to be lived. The gospel message, originally, it touches. It touches. We realize that when we were sinners and that the only way we could be saved from the coming wrath of God was to believe upon Jesus Christ, to call out to him, and and that he took the punishment of our sin upon the cross. He took it upon the cross so that we could be forgiven. And he rose again three days later that we might rise again in the resurrection of the dead. Amen? Not to eternal death, but to eternal life. I love that. That's where our hope is. It's in Christ alone. And that he changed us. He transformed us. He conveyed us from children of darkness into children of light. Devil's kids to God's kids. By the blood of Christ. Love that. I absolutely love it. But it was never meant to stop at salvation. And this is where I find most of us are stuck. I often get stuck. Anyone? Okay, a couple. So Doug, we gotta talk afterwards. But it was never meant to stop at salvation. The fact that we were saved, the gospel was meant now to motivate us out of worship, out of response out of the Holy Spirit filling and empowering your lives to now be messengers of that gospel every single day. You are all now full-time ministers if you've received Jesus Christ. You do not need a seminary degree. You've been given the Holy Spirit. They looked upon the disciples and said, who are these unlearned men? And they realized they had been with Jesus. You spend time with Jesus. You are Ministers of Jesus Christ and that is that is the light of the world. Amen. Not to put down the schooling I've had, but I'm telling you, we we sometimes do this trick, you know, when we just need people filled with God's love and his spirit, amen. But this is why you're still here. This is why that thing is going. In your chest, or whatever it is here, I've got to pray for a lot of you, you know. But I'm just saying, this is the reason. This is why you're still here, because that's what it's all about. And if you're not living for the gospel, if you're not living for Jesus, I tell you, there's something going on in your heart and your mind, and I bet you don't have peace. I bet you're stuck. I bet you're having tons of problems. Their lives were joined with Paul's in the ministry of the gospel. If you're feeling stuck in your walk with the Lord this morning, confess your sin, repent, and get refocused on your calling. God's not into rubbing your nose in it. He rubbed Jesus' nose in it. He wants you to get up and get going. If you lack hope this morning, how many of you struggle with hope and anxiety? Get refocused on your hope, capital H, and get moving again. Your purpose is to partner in the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many of you do it well. You know? And the Lord is the ultimate judge, amen? The church at Philippi was steadfast in this for 10 years now. And he's writing this letter. What do you, and, and, and my thinking, hey, you've partnered with me. I'm praying for you. I'm, I pray with joy because you've partnered with me. What do you think that partnering looked like? Were they all Paul? No. And as you'll read later in the letter, they were supporting his ministry financially while he was in jail, in a Roman jail. Now, I don't, you know, I hope none of you plan on going to jail, you know. But if you do, you're taken care of. I mean, for the most part, right? three squares a day. In that situation, in the Roman jail, you were not taken care of. It was up to your family or people you knew to take care of your livelihood. If you didn't have those people, you would die. Not a good situation. And the Philippians were constantly taking care of his needs. And I kind of go back to, um, what was her name? Sorry, the seller of purple, help me. Lydia. Lydia. Who was a probably a, a, a businesswoman who did very well and she I bet she was able to help support the ministry of Paul in a way that a lot of other people couldn't but there were people that were sent from Philippi to go help Paul they couldn't they couldn't do finances so they, they helped out with their bodies they went and helped him and took care of his needs they sent Packages to him. They sent clothing. There are people probably making sweaters for him for the winter. I'm serious. You know? Whatever their calling was, whatever their gifting was, their 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 mind was, look at the gospel. How is it going to be spread and how can I be a part of getting it going? What is hindering it? And how can my gifts help that going forward? Because we are not all mouths. We are not all, you know eyes. We, have, we are parts of the body working together for that the, the furtherance of the gospel. So don't let you know, I, I know I come, I'm, I'm very heavy on getting out there and doing it, right? Yeah, he's ready. <laughs> he's, ready for that. He's, good. he's ready to get out there. But each of us are called to a certain part of this ministry. What does it look like? Each one according to their gifts. And so Paul brought uh, so they brought great joy to Paul because they were yoked with him in the ministry. They were on the same page, the page that Jesus commanded them to be on, the, the same page that Jesus commands us to be on. But Paul's joy, now this is important, and you will be miserable if you do this. Paul's joy is not rooted in their ability to perform. Paul's joy was not rooted in the ability to and their ability to perform. But verse six says what? What does it say in verse six? Being confident of this. The reason why I have joy is because I'm confident in this. You know, you're, you're partnering with the gospel. I'm confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What is the good work? Yeah, there's a, there's a play on words here, I think. Because what does the gospel mean? Good news. What is the good work? It's the gospel. He will complete it in and through your lives. So Paul's joy was in the fact that Jesus was working in and through them, and they had lived lives that were responding to the spirit of Jesus in them from the first day until now, Paul said, Right? And the application. So this is the application. We want to write this down, right? Get out your pens, mascara, whatever you need to write down. with. Here we go. Application. So the question to write down and pray about this week, or to perhaps fast about, because this is where the rubber meets the road. This is it. Ask yourself a question. How am I partnered with the gospel? How am I partnered with the gospel? Secondly, how has my faith become action? And what is hindering that from happening? Three questions, pretty good, huh? What is hindering that from happening? Pray over that. Read the word, asking the Holy Spirit to lead. Speak with brothers and sisters in the Lord about this. And when you have a sense of what God is saying, obey respond right pray and let them know you know let the elders know let the elders know let us know hey what i really feel like the lord's saying do this so we can pray for you watch you bless you amen and so paul who is in prison in rome is expressing his affliction for his brothers and sisters his affection sorry for his brothers and sisters. And he says in verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending the, or confirming the gospel, all of you share in the gospel of grace with me. Paul lets them know that they're all in the same ministry together. Paul was out there talking and, and bringing people to say, but they're all together. Amen? I don't know. This guy's kind of distracted me a little bit. Probably what it's like in heaven. Alright. Okay. Paul lets them know that they're with him in his ministry, in the highs and the lows. In verse 8, God can testify how long how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And now Paul expresses his prayer. He's gonna start talking about prayer, okay? And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and the depths of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be able to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so Paul prays, in essence, that their love would grow. Why? Why is he praying that their love would grow? so that they would live accordingly and bring God glory, so that they would be found blameless on the day of Jesus Christ, that there's a day of accountability. There's a day where we stand before the judgment seat of the Lord. And the church at Corinth was reprimanded. Remember the church at Corinth? It says really quickly, how how is their love to grow? And it says, in knowledge and insight. Remember, their love was to grow in knowledge and insight. If you're taking notes, write down, how can my love grow in knowledge and insight? We're almost done here. But the church at Corinth was reprimanded. Remember the church at Corinth? They were reprimanded. They claimed to have love for one another. Love is an interesting idea. A church that claims we love one another. But love without knowledge and insight is not the love that God would have for us. And Corinth had these, these agape feasts. They all got together, and they claimed to love one another, yet at the same time, the, the agape, agape means love. They had these love feasts. They all got together, and what happened? The rich were ignoring the poor. People were getting drunk at communion, and this was called an agape feast, and a whole bunch of other bizarre stuff. Wasn't that crazy? And Paul kind of had to lay into him. You know, people have this fuzzy, warm feeling. All the meanwhile, the riches were, you know, they were they were just snubbing the poor. The People were getting drunk in communion and just all this crazy stuff. Their love was based on a feeling. Love without the depth of insight and knowledge is not love. It's, you know, some call it sloppy agape, you know. We run the risk of falling into the same trap. Read Paul, uh, Paul had to reteach them what love was all about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love isn't just a feeling. It's, it's discerning what pleases the Lord and, 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 and letting it change our lives and acting upon it. And Paul was praying for his church that they, their love may abound more and more in the depth of knowledge and insight. And so why is this so important? He says why it's so important in verse 10. Why is it important that your love increase in knowledge and insight? Why is it important? Verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. You know, we're to grow to maturity in Jesus Christ. There's a judgment day coming where people will stand before him. And Paul says, I want my church blameless before that day. I want there not to be any blemish upon you. Not that we will be uh, judged for our sins, but we will be judged for what we've done in our body and we will be rewarded accordingly. And he's saying it, you know, hey, I don't want you to be without reward. I want you to be blameless. I don't want you to go under a false love. I want you to go under the love of Christ, which is not this world's love. It isn't about all just getting along. It's about discerning and moving forward. In what God has to say, and we conform to him, not to Matt or to anyone else, to his word. And this is the, this is the ending here. <clears throat> I want to talk just a second about maturity. What does it mean to be mature in Christ? Read, open, Flip over to Hebrews chapter 511. We're going to close it. Hebrews chapter 511. I think Paul is the author. Why? Because in the very beginning, he says, "Grace and peace." <laughs> it's kind of his little text. So I'm just going to say Paul, the author, okay? Uh, people have debates about this. But Paul is trying to explain some deeper things about Christ to this church. This is the home run here, okay. Paul's trying to explain some deeper things to, about Christ to this church, and the, people wanted, uh, the the people he wanted to go deeper with, He had to stop teaching them at a certain point. And in chapter 5, verse 11, he says this. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. You no longer desire to have insight and wisdom. You're just stuck at elementary teaching. You've chosen to stop. Paul says, I can't go on. This was not good. What happened to the recipients of the book of Hebrews? What happened? They stopped growing in knowledge and insight. They stopped seeking and they were stuck. They became spiritually stagnant. They gave up. They were not reaching their potential in Christ. They were just stuck. They stopped trying to understand, they stopped growing. You're never meant to stop growing in Christ. If you are, that is a death blow. That is religion. It's horrible. I'm miserable. How many of you can relate? How many of you feel stuck? I feel stuck in certain areas. I've, I've felt stuck several times in my life. I think the Holy Spirit this morning is desiring to speak to this church again and just to some people, I don't know, and is just saying, you know, will you listen, will you try again? Will you, will you reach out to me? Will you seek? The author of Hebrews goes on in verse five, chapter five, verse twelve. He says, "In fact, though th- by this time you ought to be teachers, you ought to be able to teach these things. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness." But solid food is for the mature. And he goes on. and this is the pork, who by constant use, that's, that word constant use is practice, have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. Is it a one-time in your done thing? No, it's constantly living a life of being in the word, being in fellowship. Asking, ascertaining, going for Jesus and letting it change your life. Constant use. Maturity ultimately looks like Jesus. For us, the path that Paul is praying for their lives in this church is to continue to desire for each person, his prayers for each person to continue to desire to be chewing on the word, you know, to continually do this, chew on the word. Let it change you and the way that you see the world. Let it change your actions. Let it have its work. This is letting their love grow in knowledge in the depths of insight. It is continually conforming to the image of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Responding to his word, responding to his spirit, responding to the way the body works. And So Paul goes on, just to finish up here in chapter 6 of Hebrews. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from the acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites and laying on of hands, the resurrection of dead, the eternal judgment. These are all elementary things. He's saying, this is your 101 Christianity. Not to say that it is any less important than the other stuff, Right? And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who've once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of this coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. You don't need to be taught these things over and over again. You can't get resaved. You know, some of you are, are new believers and, and you need the elementary teachings. You need to focus on that. You need to, the milk of the word. But some of you need to be motivated to grow in, in maturity. And I would encourage you to get involved. Seek out a Bible study. Start listening, self-feeding on your own. Do devotions with your husband or wife or whatever it is that, that floats your boat, but start growing. And not only listen to it, but apply it. I'm speaking to myself too. You know, it's a poor example, but, you know, if I come over to your house and I find you playing with the toys that you're playing with, like in second grade, and really enjoying it, we got issues, we got problems. Yet spiritually, you know, we we, kind of run into those things with the church, don't we? I find myself, you know, let's let the word, word of God have its effect on us and build us up and train us to discern good and evil because there's a time coming upon this world that the Bible spoke more about than any other time and the, the time leading up to it, I believe, that we're going to need some discerning people. We're going to need some people who are not going to be pulled to the left or right based on the way they feel, but they base it upon what he says. And they know what he says, and it, it's the foundation for their lives. We're going to need to preach the gospel during that time, and that time is now. But to their loss, verse 6, they crucify the Son of God all over again and subjected him to public disgrace. And Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, gives some insight to the eternal reason why Paul is praying for them and perhaps exhorting them to continue to grow in their love. He mentions being found blameless on the day of Jesus Christ. And he goes, he want, I want you to be blameless on that day, brothers and sisters. I don't want you to continue to come here every Sunday and listen to the best and to go home and think that's it. Let the gospel have effect. Let it change you every day. And the very last verse here that I want to read, last verse is, the land that drinks the rain often falling on it. And that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receive the blessing of God. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Scary stuff. But even though we speak like this, dear friends, Paul, I love him, he brings us back the hope. We are convinced of better things for your case. The things that have to do with salvation, God is not unjust he's not going to forget the work that uh, and the love that you've shown him and have helped his people and continuing to help them partnering in the gospel he's not going to forget all this stuff we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you're what you hope for may be fully realized we don't want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what has been promised who are these people and The Hall of Faith, Romans 11. I mean, Hebrews 11. How many of us have become lazy in our in our walk? How many have us become are stuck? How many of us feel like I'm just tired of this? I'm going through the motions. It's not real. How many of you know this morning that God absolutely adores you and wants you to change that in a heartbeat? He absolutely does. And he's here for you. And he loves you. And he will change you if you let him. Amen? Go to him this morning. Get involved. Be in the word. Be in prayer. Those things don't make you right with God. They help you grow with God. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for all that you've done today. Pray that you bless uh, this church, Lord, and the people involved Pray that the ministry of your gospel will be the focus of our lives. Pray that you would use each one of us in the special way you've created us. We ask for your deep blessings upon our day. Keep everybody safe on the roads. In the name of Jesus, amen.